Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to. Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. I'll be honest with all of you listeners, our plan for this 2021 college tennis season finale episode was to have one last giant hurrah to offer our final thoughts on the team event, on the individuals, and then answer your many fantastic listener questions that you submitted for the mailbag portion of this show. But as you all have come to learn, whenever we're talking college tennis here on a Cracked Rackets podcast, we're bound to get a little excited. And so it's only fitting that we ended up going two hours to put a bow on this 2021 season. What we did to make it just a little bit easier for all of you listeners to consume those two hours is divide the episode into parts. So what you're going to be hearing on part one are Chris, Matt, and my final thoughts on the 2021 season. We're going to break down the team event, talk about Florida's fantastic performance in Orlando, offer our thoughts on Texas as well, where they go from here, and then, of course, had to talk about the individuals as well. Just give our final takeaways from our week, two weeks in Orlando, and then on Friday, we'll get to part two of this season finale. We'll answer your listener questions. It was a fantastic mailbag segment. I promise all of you listeners going to enjoy those answers, going to enjoy the questions your fellow Crack Rackets podcast listeners asked as well. Sincerely, the show's content was made significantly better by the quality of the questions all of you submitted. But again, what we wanted to do to just make it a little easier rather than offer you all one mega two-hour podcast is divide things into two parts. So again, here on part one, you're going to hear us discuss uh, our thoughts on everything that happened in Orlando, and then in part two, we'll turn to the mailbag segment. Now, when we recorded the podcast, we thought it was all going to be one part. Again, we ended up going two hours, so I won't regale you with another plug. I will say, turn a tennis, call 800-554-3707-SALES at uniquesports.com, but you already know that. So, with that in mind, let's get to it. The 2021 college tennis season finale here on The Great Shot podcast. Chris Halliorce, Matt Stokowiak, and myself, Westoff. Roll it. Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. It's that time, folks. There may be waterworks on today's podcast because it is time for our final college tennis podcast of the 2021 season. It has been a fantastic year of action, and right off the bat, I have to thank all of the fans, all of the players, all of the coaches who put up with all of our nonsense all year long. As we've learned, words matter, and certainly we fired a lot of words at all of you listeners over the course of the season. It's crazy to think, if I go back to maybe November, December, 
we weren't sure if we were going to have a 2021 season. And in the end, not only did we get a full season, we got a national indoor event, we got conference play, we got both team and individual NCAA tournaments in Orlando. What a fun time it was, not just for me, but for all three of us college tennis, Holy Trinity, to get down there on site, to get to not only celebrate the finale of this college tennis season, but just to be on the ground, to get to chat with so many of you who expressed your gratitude for this podcast. I, we sincerely appreciated that, but believe me when I say we are the ones that are thankful for all of you that continue to listen week in, week out throughout the year. But with all that said, it's time to put a bow on this season. Time to hear from the other members of the College Tennis Holy Trinity, because to be honest, I still haven't heard their thoughts on that Division One men's final. I still haven't heard their thoughts on all of the individual action that unfolded. And of course, I want to hear their thoughts on all of the questions you submitted to us as we decided to make this final podcast a mailbag. With that in mind, let's bring in those two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. I'm going to start where I always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer for our website, CrackedRackets.com. The other half of the graduate, I suppose, Baylor's Nick Stokowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot as always. Have you licked the wounds? Have you recovered since that men's final? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that maybe lasted a day or so or <laughs> I, not even that long. I, I was just happy to be there and, and really enjoyed it. So it's that was one of those things that wasn't even that hard for me to get over. Probably a little bit more difficult for the players. But yeah, man, no, I, I think we have a lot to celebrate. You know, looking back at this season, I know you mentioned, you know, there may be some tears. It's sad. And, and you, we can look at it that way. But I think we should really just celebrate the season that we had, because like you mentioned, we had the entire season. We checked all the boxes with the kickoff weekend and with national indoors and some great conference play and conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament that we were all a, a part of there in Orlando. So for me, you know, yeah, it's always a little sad when the season ends, but I mean, looking back on it, some great memories, and I'm already looking forward to the next one. So, sounds good, man. No, when I say tears, I mean tears of joy. Like, sincerely, to your point, this pod is supposed to be a celebration. I will say, I almost got in a fist fight during the NCAA final. There was... Just some hammered Florida fan sitting above the court in Nick and Blaze's matches. I want to be like, you are talking about my f-ing little brother. Like, you shut your mouth. And I like, I was two seconds away from just giving him the business. And then I was like, wait, Alex, like, do you really want to get in a fight in this scenario? Is there any way you're coming out of this on top? No. Now, the good news is Nick's racket did the talking. As I imagine it had to have helped a little bit that he took that first set and wasn't someone who, you know, took a defeat, Maddie. I imagine that helped just a little bit. Yeah, Nick doesn't care about that stuff. I talked to him about it afterwards. You know, he he's one of those guys that feeds off of that type. You know, players will crumble. You know, obviously it was a hostile crowd. I mean, we were in Florida and it was obviously a, a hostile crowd. But Nick's always been one of those guys that enjoys playing in those type of environments. So clearly um, he was playing very well and, and I think had a good time out there overall. So, yeah, no need to get in a fight. You know, let those fans, hey, they're going to do what they do. Um, we just enjoy college tennis. Every five minutes now, I look at Westoff and I go, trust the system. And he's like, he's like, what are you saying? I'm like, just just trust the system, okay? Uh, because that's the way I have fun. Certainly, again, to have a full crowd. And I want to hear your guys' thoughts because uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But I do think that crowd may have won the match for Florida. We'll get there in a little bit. But it's time to bring in member three 
of the College Tennis Holy Trinity, fresh off of his road trip, two weeks in the RV. You hopefully all saw it stationed in the parking lot of the USTA National Campus. You know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, the sitch, the professor. He quotes Henry Ford. His life is run by his wife, and I have to give him credit. The winner of our College Tennis Holy Trinity Bracket Challenge by, let's be honest, a comfortable margin in the end. It's Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Props to you, my friend. How are you holding up? I'm doing great. I'm kind of sad the season's over, but, uh, you know, it's a, it was a good time. Uh, always, I mean, great to get down, A, to see the, all, all the tennis, and B, to hang out with the family. So, uh, you know, it was a good two weeks. And, of course, you know, get to see you guys a little. <laughs> that was that was minimal, I'm sure, in terms yeah. of the enjoyment. But no, it was it was great to be down there. Great to get to chat with coaches, players, just sniff around. And it's worth noting, and I'm sure there's a question about it in the mailbag, so we'll address it at some point. It's going to be a busy off season. There are all of these juniors, seniors, whatever we want to qualify them as, with an extra year of COVID eligibility. The transfer portal is loaded right now. A lot of names jumping around, and if you've been following Parsa Bombs, you've already heard about some of them today. The news, Votzel going to Ohio State. That one was a slap in the face. And honestly, will Oklahoma State have any players left? That is a question I think all of us are curious about no. as we look at no. it. It's all new. It's a it's a brand new team. It's a good. It, the thing is, like, you get a clean slate, right? If you're the head coach of the men's tennis team. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll compare what's going to happen there in all likelihood to co- what happened to uh, Trevor Nuno, Nick, and Strali the year they showed up. They basically had, you know, almost the entire like Mate and Rishab. I think were the only two guys that came back. They lost Florian Lacat. They lost. Estevana uh, Cruz, they lost Robin Hayden, they lost Julian Cash. Four guys all left in one year, and then the new guys come in. I think that's what you're going to see at Oklahoma State is a whole bunch of guys leave, maybe one or two come back. But, I mean, between all the seniors that are going and then everybody else that's transferring or in the portal, yeah, it's going to be a brand-new team next year for – a brand new coach in all likelihood. No, it's going to be very, very fun. And again, we'll address all of that as we continue through this podcast. I do have to give a shout out to my man, Nick Braun, who he thinks I have a love affair with Trevor, but it's actually Nick that I was all in favor of because, I mean, just what a kind guy. Sincerely, anytime I was like, hey, can I get a ride back to the hotel, please? And there was always a little shame in my voice when I had to ask. And he was like, no, yeah, of course I've got you, Alex. And it was great to get to hang with the extended Stokowiak family, extended Hallioris family as well. So again, I appreciate you guys treating me like family as you always do. But of course, again, on today's podcast, want to address the teams, want to address the individuals. We're going to get into the mailbag as well. But of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out, week in week out here on the great shot podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners from our crack rackets patreon family and of course from our friends at turn of tennis you guys know the deal it's the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat it's performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched and you guys know 
That iconic blue color can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros. Now, if you would like to call or email them to get college pricing or free uh, free uh, samples, email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. A fun fact for our Turner family in case they hear this. I was at the bar chatting with some of the coaches one night and they were like, so tell me about your sponsors. And I was like, you mean contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. I've pretty much got a tattoo now on me because I've said it so many times. So again, if you would like to join the Turner family, let them know Crack Racket sent you. They'll treat you as such. And then you can email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. Now, with that in mind, again, I haven't had the chance to hear you guys talk about the team final, and we're not going to break down quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, all of the results that happened in Orlando, but we do have two national champions crowned Texas on the women's side, uh, I almost said Baylor, Florida on the men's side. Let's start with the men's action, and I want to start with you, Maddie, because again, all three of us were at that match, but we'll let Chris do his celebration tour at the end. Baylor takes the doubles point. Baylor takes three first sets and singles. That first hour and a half went about as well as you could have expected in front of a hostile, I mean hostile, Florida Gator crowd. It was essentially a home match at the USTA National Campus in Lake Nona. And, you know, again, that singles depth from the Gator win uh, won out. They were the only team to win multiple matches in Orlando after dropping the doubles point. They get the job done 4-1 in the end. It felt like the wave all came at once. Your thoughts on that final match, your thoughts on that Florida performance. Well, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And, I mean, you mentioned Florida's singles performance after dropping the doubles point. Guys, they didn't lose a singles match throughout the entire event. Uh, shout out to Jay for that one, I believe. He came yeah. he, he came with that stat. So that is un- – that's just – that's absurd, right? To not even drop a singles match in the NCAA tournament, that is just an unbelievable job by those guys. And I feel like Coach Shelton, you know, you lose the dubs point. So what? I'll give up the dubs point. Let's just get to singles. Let's just start with singles. I know I'm going to get four points. Um, and it was. It was a really impressive performance against Baylor. I think the two things that went wrong for Baylor, you mentioned that first hour, hour and a half, Gruskin. There were a couple moments, though, that were really big that actually went Florida's way. And I'm talking specifically about courts two and three. In the first set, Sam Riffis over Matias Soto. Court three, Andy Andrade over Sven Law. Those were two big sets that were very close that could have gone either way. And if those flip, if Baylor finds a way to win those sets... I mean, we could be looking at a whole different match, but the fact that Florida was able to take those first sets on two and three, that kept them around. And you knew at that point, okay, they're here, they're going to be fighting. And then again, the crowd, they got so much energy from that crowd. I mean, it was it was amazing. Shout out to the crowd. They showed up, they showed out, they were loud, they were in your face. It was a great environment. And and again, I don't think Baylor played poorly. I really don't. You look up and down the lineup. I feel like Florida just elevated their games. I really do. They came out on a few of those courts and lost some first sets. You know, Adrian wins a set at one, so Duarte loses that. Nick takes the first set over Blaze Bicknell. But these guys don't go anywhere, right? They don't blink. They come back. They're fighting. And they fed off that crowd. And, and credit to them, the depth you know, of Florida ended up beating the depth of Baylor. They got wins at five and six, which, you know, 
That doesn't happen against Baylor. That doesn't happen against Baylor. And it really hadn't happened the whole year. But Baylor hadn't played Florida. And when we kind of think back on it, it makes sense, right? We talked all season long about depth and who goes six, seven, eight, nine deep. We mentioned Baylor and Florida. They were always in that conversation. So it's not that surprising. Guys like Ben Shelton and Josh Goodger, they had fantastic seasons. So them winning those matches wasn't a surprise. But man, I mean, it was it was a great dual match. I really enjoyed being there and, and credit to Florida. They earned it. Baylor didn't lose that match by any means. They didn't throw it away. Florida earned it. Credit to him. 100%. And we got a question from our man, Steve Belsito. And again, Chris, I'll bring you in here in a second. But to Maddie, he said, as you guys were on site for the team final, what in the world happened when Sven was attempting to serve out the first set against Andrade? Gators fan crossed the line in that instance. If so, how do you think the final two matches go? Boyton and Stokowiak. If Law wins at three, I'll present that to you. And ifs and buts only matter, you know, horseshoes, hand grenades, you guys know the saying. And look, Florida won the match. And We'll celebrate that fact in a second. I would echo everything you mentioned, Maddie. But that was an inflection point, right? Riffis, who just brought his A game in Orlando, individual champion. We'll talk about that. And, you know, Andy Andrade, who once it felt like he beat Aguilar, now he's on top of the world the rest of the tournament. I mean, that was a close one, though. Because, let's be clear, Boyton was winning at one. And third set, Nick versus Blaze, that scenario... I like Nikki Stacks always there. Yeah, I mean, here, and shout out to Steve Belsito, my guy, Steve Belsito, always. (laughs) You know that, Gruskin. So thanks for the question, Steve. Um, I didn't hear exactly what was said from the fan. I do know that they had moved from behind Nick's court. They were behind court four. After doubles, they ended up moving down to Sven's court over on court three, and they were chirping. I mean, it was bad. I don't know exactly what was said, so I can't say with 100% certain but they did get a warning the officials warned them and said hey guys you need to calm it down or else you're out of here and florida's going to start losing points we're going to start deducting points from this team if you guys keep it up um you know and i again i don't know exactly what was said i can tell you so and this is the same guy i was telling you beforehand i almost got in a fight myself because he was going after nick in the first that he's like cheater cheater and i'm like that is rich of you to say, buddy. Um, and it was just ridiculous. And again, well, it was especially awesome. when when Nick's playing Blaze Bicknell of all people. <laughs> well, that's low hanging fruit. I'm not going to touch that one. But uh, that's that's ironic, though. Come no, on, no, a hundred percent. It's just like, dude, shut up. Like again, there's a way to enjoy yourself. The way McCain Kessler was enjo- McLean Kessler was enjoying himself. The way uh, Chase Perez Blanco was enjoying himself. That's totally within the realms of fine. Don't you dare call Nick Stokowiak a cheater, or you are going to get again. Uh, we're going to have some fisticuffs there going on, and it's just it was. There were times when they did cross the line. At the same time, that crowd can, and I love him. Let's be clear, Charlie Broom again, mi hermano, um, but. They convinced Charlie that his forehand wasn't working anymore. And it's a credit to that crowd who was just on top of these Baylor Bears, provided that boost you need your team to have when you lose three first sets. And, you know, Shelton comes roaring back at five. And, you know, Blaze did take the second set at four. And then, you know, Chris, this is where I'm going to bring you in. Four and six, we knew were going to be strengths for these Florida Gators. And for Goodger to beat Furman that day, that's a testament. Goodger took it to him. Uh, and it had nothing to do with Spencer. It had everything to do with Goodger's performance. But Riffis and Andrade, 
were incredible, Chris. And just, you know, the scariest part, barring Sam winning a couple of challenger titles or really going off this summer on the pro circuit, they bring back everyone. This is the best I've felt about a team since the Virginia days. This Florida performance was, as Maddie mentioned, they didn't drop a single set. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I was both. Before we get into it, of course, I'm just going to rub it in first, and then I'll continue. <laughs> but I believe, even though we did say there's no way to figure out the match, ca- match calculus for this match, I also said give Baylor doubles, give Florida two of the three at four through six, and then whoever takes two out of three up top, and I took Florida. That's exactly how it came <laughs> I think we got a question of how big was the I told you so about Pepperdine pales in comparison to that right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the Florida, the, just the way they played in singles, like you said, was ridiculous. And, and it, you know, to your, there are so many, mem- so many memories from the match and the fans. And I, I talked to, you know, I talked to coach stump about it afterwards and, and we, we texted a little and it was, it was literally to the point. I think that was the first match that I've ever been to where there were so many fans and it was so out of control that they basically, unless it was like so egregious that it was just, you know, like affecting other fans in the neighborhood, they had to just let it go because they would have been stopping every match on every point to say, you can't say that you can't say, right. Well, I mean, the same guy, I think it's probably the same guy that you're talking about sitting right behind us in the doubles Charlie throws up his, his or getting ready to throw the ball up to serve. The guy says he's sitting like two rows behind Maddie and I, and he's like, "Don't miss Broom," and Charlie doesn't <laughs> toss the ball, and then he go and he and he hears it and he stops, and then he goes to do it again, and as he's about to toss the ball, the guy says it again, and they actually came up and this was a second serve, and Charlie finally looks at the chair and he goes, "What are you? We're gonna let this go?" And they get a first serve out of it, right? I mean. And I think those guys did end up leaving. That's probably the one that left for behind Sven's court. Uh, you know, but I'm like, you know, it was the fans. It's one thing to cheer for your team, but to do stuff like that, that's just over the line is, and it was, but it was going on everywhere. And I think, and we also had, which I was thankful for, uh, and I'm, I'm sure Maddie heard him too. Maddie, who, whoever the Baylor guy was that was right behind us uh, in doubles that moved over to, uh, I believe uh, over to Charlie's court for singles. Yes. Yeah. He was he was super loud too, and I thought, oh my gosh, between the Florida dude and that dude going at each other right behind that, like two rows behind me and Maddie, who we you know we were sitting like five seats apart, was just if those guys had stayed there all match long, we were just going to listen to a battle going. Trust back and the forth. system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, I mean, but to go back to that, I mean, the way. The Florida guys, I, I, the key to me was the fact that, that, look, Baylor came out great. They got the doubles point. They get three single sets. As Maddie said, it could have been better. Uh, you know, they were looking very good and possible on both two and three and didn't get them. But the fact that Florida closed all three of their first sets in straights and Baylor couldn't get any of them in straights, that just kind of, I mean, that just makes it tough. Anytime you're going to give a team like Florida – to go from 1-0 down to being down 3-1 and have to win all three of the remainders in three sets when you couldn't close them out. I mean, it's a tall, tall task against a team that's that good. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, Boyton was winning at one. 
Like he was up a set. That was break. straight sets. Yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't about- in a third. 100%. He oh, had volley right, right, right where he wanted him. Uh, just, you know, again, but that match just didn't finish because the Gators came out f***ing swinging. Like, this was totally, they rode the momentum of that crowd exactly how you need to do in a national championship match. And again, we've talked, you know, I'll be honest. I thought this Florida team was really good at beating teams they were better than. But you saw a kickoff weekend against Texas. You saw SEC championship against Tennessee. I thought they might be a little soft. They were anything but that. And I was wrong. And, like, part of this, you have to admit when you're wrong. This Florida team was the best team in Orlando. And it wasn't particularly close in the end. Now, again, Andy Andrade, when it looks good, it looks so good. And he looked, (laughs) Maddie, you're making a face. And I know, Chris, you were starting to say something there. I mean, how good was Andy in this event, Chris? I mean, look, that game... His entire game, if you can just take away the second serve, is tremendous. I mean, that is, if you're going to be Andy, you have to pick on the second serve, which means, A, he's got to miss a fair number of first serves. Uh, But, B, that, I mean, that backhand, and it's always been the case, that backhand is a world-class backhand. You just don't hit balls to the backhand. The problem is, when he's hitting the forehand, it's it's not like he's got a great backhand and he's got the angles in forehand he's got a great backhand and then when he hits the forehand it's pace it's power it's i mean it it's everything i mean the guy's incredible when he's on and you just you know and he's hitting all the angles he's play he's pushing you corner to corner with pace i mean he played tremendous and he just didn't you know he played to the point where he didn't even let the fact that he had a, a questionable second serve become a liability in the match no, you're absolutely right. And again, Gujar was outstanding at six. And if I never have to hear, I mean, the amount of people in the freaking press conference, and I get it, like, you got to ask your questions. But like, coach, how did it feel to see your son clinch? Coach, for it to be Ben who clinched. And I was like, how about just winning a national championship? I'm sure that was enough as well. I'm sure he wasn't even thinking, oh, it was Ben who clinched. It was probably much later that he was like, oh, it was Ben. Um, But, you know, I'm in the crowd and... Someone's comparing Ben to Shapovalov, and I'm just, like, dying with laughter. It was just delightful. Um, And, I mean, at five singles, he does kind of look like Shapovalov. I'm saying compared to other five singles, you get it. But, I mean, the crazy part, and again, this is how I want to frame it, because we can't do the same breakdown of the women's women's final, which we already did. You can go hear it with Alex Bancilla back on the mini-break podcast whenever that final happened. But who are you more confident in, Maddie? I'll start with you, going into the 2022 season. Assuming everyone comes back, who's a sure thing? Florida to win in 2022 or Texas to win in 2022? Because if Texas brings everyone back, it's also scary. Well, Texas can't bring everyone back. Their number two player, oh, Tarati, has gone. Right. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm assuming number one, Peyton Stearns, is going to be out of there. So for me, that's an easy question, Gruskin. I'm rolling Florida because I know it's more of a sure thing. I'm, I'm so unsure of Texas. I mean, even their number four player, I was so impressed with Charlotte. I don't, I, I, I'm Shibata sorry. I, yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable playing number four singles on that team is just absurd. She's, I mean, pro level. It was so good. I was very impressed with her. That team was awesome. I mean, as young as they were, I still didn't think they, I still 
picked UNC women to win the title. I thought they would get it done, but that Texas team was so impressive for, for as young as they were, just the raw talent on that team was unbelievable to watch. But to answer your question, I'll roll Florida because I don't think Texas is going to look the same. That's fair. And, you know, again, the level between Pashkaleva uh, and, oh my God, who did she play? Lulusan. Lulusan, yeah. Three. It was stupid. It was yeah. stupid how good they were, like, Chris. Oh, I mean, and it was it was crazy too because you you're I'm sitting there watching it, going, if Lulu Sun just keeps the ball in play, Pachkaleva looks like she's dead, and she want she wants I mean wants to give up is a is a you know a little exaggeration, but she her body did not want to chase every ball down. It was you know she was gonna go for the winner. But then 50% of the time, she'd go for it and make it. I mean, it was just, you think, you're watching it going, oh, Lulu's got her now. And all of a sudden, Patch Galeva hits like three balls in a row where she just rips, you know, down the line winner, cross court winner. It was just, it was crazy. It was such a good match. Yeah. And again, in the year of the super senior, for it to come down to two freshmen, that's just, and then a freshman clinches for Florida, that's just, and by the way, uh, you know, North Carolina, it's funny because I talked to Shannon. Uh, sorry to expose him here, but he and I were the only two people in the USTA poll to vote North Carolina second uh, after, you know, and have Pepperdine third just because, again, it's a 4-3 match. And I think the irony of all ironies is, like, had Elizabeth uh, Scotty and McKenna Jones won at two doubles in that match, they likely end up beating Pepperdine because they take the doubles point. And it's like, oh, well, instead we're going to win an NCAA doubles title. And just... Again, these are the things that make college tennis college tennis and make it so exciting. But for two freshmen, three all national championship to play at that level, that's what college tennis is all about, folks. You want to know why we talk about it every week here at Crack Records, why we devote so much energy and time to covering what we all believe might be, if not certainly is, the best form of the sport? That's why. Because scenes like that... You just don't find at the professional ranks. And again, it's a credit to Texas. It's a credit to, to uh, Florida that they're able to get over the finish line, earn national championships. You've definitely heard it at this point. Uh, Brian Shelton, first coach in modern history to win a national championship as the head coach of a women's team, Georgia Tech, and the head coach of a men's team now with Florida. As we mentioned, they bring everyone back as well, do those Florida Gators, at least hypothetically, minus Joe Englandson, but... You know, they bring in Matthias. It's literally like, Inglitson, out. Seymour, in. And it's like, that's all we have to do, by the way. And it's like, Matt, that's you an upgrade. Up. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. an upgrade. Oh, and, and, and by the way, they bring in two other guys. One, probably not a factor. The second, the French kid who's already like a 13-2 UTR is potentially a factor. I mean, it's just, it's more depth. Even if he doesn't play, you're bringing in a freshman that's all that would be playing on 90% of the rosters in probably the top four. And now they've got more, more depth to a singles lineup that they didn't lose anybody out of. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. It's stupid and it's like... You know, as good as Virginia is going to be next year, 
And as good as Texas is going to be next year, like it's the same Florida team. <laughs> They're only going to get better. And again, these are things I'm sure we are asked in the mailbag. So we'll hold that thought. I do, again, want to hear about the individuals as well because I didn't, haven't gotten to see you guys since then. In the end, it's Sam Riffis, Emma Navarro earning those two titles. I'll start with you, Maddie. Uh, the talk of the town was a the Navarro forehand was just so much better. It was just this you could you're just like that's a pro ball. And then for Riffis, we've talked about it all season long. The higher the level of competition, the better he plays. I should also give a shout out. I'd mentioned Jones and Scotty. We said all season long, watch Walton and Harper play for two seconds. You're not going to find a more fundamentally sound doubles team in the country. There was a little brouhaha in that match point and. We'll never know exactly what happened. I'm sure to his dying day, and we're going to get them on the Cracked Interviews podcast, but to his dying day, uh, you know, Harper will say that the ball just hit his racket funky. Did it hit his body first, and then he got it over? Did it hit the ground after he hit it? It's tough to say. And again, I'm, we're bringing them on the Cracked Interviews. I'm asking them the questions straight up. But your thoughts on all the individual champions first, Maddie? Yeah, well, for Navarro, I mean, look, out of all of these results, that one was probably the least surprising to me. I mean, look, Emma Navarro is a pro. I think we knew that coming into college. She hits a pro ball. She's played at high levels of pro tennis. I mean, not a surprise. In fact, I may have picked her to win the event prior to that starting. Um, so that, you know, no surprise there for me. Congratulations to her. She did what she had to do. For Sam Riffis, you know, I wouldn't have picked Sam to win. He was the a doubt title. set in five zero against Ponwith, right? Am I crazy uh, here? Uh, I think no. it was. It might have been five no. one. No, no, no. He lost that first set, but he was not down that badly in the second. I don't believe. I think he, I, either way, he was down though in it, like for sure. Yeah, we can double check on that one. But but for Sam, I mean, obviously. You know, I've considered Sam. You guys know. I mean, we've done rankings and everything. I've had Sam Riffis in my top 10 players all the time. I think he's that good. Um, I wouldn't have picked him to win this event, though, just because they won the team. And I just figured he'd be drained. I mean, the the ability to come back immediately after you're riding high on that team championship – I mean, that to me is just so impressive that he was able to compose himself and go another, what, six, five, six matches in a row to win win the individual title. I mean, that's a fantastic achievement. So congrats to him. I'm glad, you know, that we get to probably see the U.S. Open wild card in play here um, so that we can see Sam, you know, participate in, in, in the Open. That'll be fun to watch. Um, and in the doubles, you guys know Walton and Harper. I had them in my top five way back in February or whenever we first talked about the rankings. I knew they were a great team. You can just tell, like you said, Gruskin, they do everything right. You know, they return well. They serve at a high percentage. They're good at the net. They're just clean. They're crisp. They play proper doubles and they have a good chemistry. So, you know, again, not a total shocker for me with those two. I mean, they've been a really, really good team all year long. And I think it is kind of funny that Jones and Scotty, of all the women's teams that could have won it, I mean, they didn't even play number one at UNC, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, 
it's funny. I mean, to me that they go out and win the title, but that goes to show you how stacked that Carolina team was. I mean, to have those two win the doubles title, um, that's fantastic. So, you know, congrats to everybody. Um, it was it was a fun tournament, I think, all the way around. Yeah, since we're patting ourselves on the back, I did say Carolina was winning a national title in Orlando. However, if you would have said, yeah, but it's got to come down to Scotty and Jones, I'd have been like, can I take my bet back? I'd have been like, let me actually, let me reverse here. Um, exactly. You no, know, it was, and they beat Sun and Collins too, who I'm telling you, if they're both back in school, if they're playing number one doubles again for the Longhorns next season, they could very well be back in that NCAA doubles final. And on the riffest note, 21st century players to do it because there have been plenty uh, throughout the course of tennis history. Is 2000 the first year of the 21st century? We're going to say yes on this podcast. Alex Kim, Matthias Booker, who's the last guy to do the Triple Crown, uh, Amir Delic, Ben Becker, Stevie J, uh, you've got Ryan Shane, Ty Kwiatkowski, Petros Risokos, now Sam Riffis. Those are the guys who have won the team and the singles event. It's a damn impressive list to be on. And certainly, again, Riffis has more time. Chris, your thoughts on all the individual action. Yeah, I, you know, obviously, I I didn't hide what I wanted to see. I really wanted to see, you know, one or both. Of, well, it couldn't be both because they were, I think they're in the same half. But I wanted to see Blum or Kova, you know, just out of the two senior guys going, the Americans that had the shot at the wild card and, and leaving. I would have loved to see one of them make the final. Maddie may have the answer. I, I never – I don't know what happened. Um, you know, obviously uh, – Addy knocks out Will and then gets into the match with Rodriguez, goes down a set, and only 3-1 and retires. And He was just dead. I, I can answer that when I was on set. His, just nothing left in the tank. He, he looked dead, but then I have to say, he looked that way through every match in the entire single <laughs> tournament. So he's just got that really calm kind of, he walks around letting you think he's dead the entire time. So I didn't, and, and I kind of thought, hey, 3-1, it's only a break. Uh, you know, I, I thought maybe he had, you know, tweaked something, but um, because I, I really thought that, yeah, the way after he dispatched of Blum that he had a good shot uh, to, to make a run. But uh, yeah, it's a, I'll, on the men's side, yeah, the, the Riffis thing. Well, I, I'm, I love, I'm always going to love until we see the change of giving anybody a wild card. I'm always going to love to see, an American win it simply because they get the wild card. I would love to see them give it to anybody that won. Uh, and then I'll be a fan of anybody because I just think it's a great opportunity for any of these kids to get to go play the U S open in a main, you know, get a main draw match at the U S open. I mean, it's outstanding. So uh, yeah, I'm with Maddie. Would I have picked Griffiths? No. I mean, he did, he came on at the end of the year, but even when he came on and was playing well at the end of the year, it wasn't like he was, you know, was, was killing guys or anything. He's just, he's, and, and there's no the, – even in the, in the matches that I saw him play in the individuals, there was no big weapon per se. It was just the all – he figures it out. It's the all-court game. If he needs to come to the net, he comes to the net. If he needs to grind you from the baseline, he grinds you from the baseline. He can do it all. And it's – he's the – you know, he's the the puzzle figure figure guy. He just goes, what's what's going to work against you? And then that's what he does, and, and he figures it out. Like you said, Navarro, Yeah. I mean, that forehand, just just too good. Unbelievable. Um, you know, and I think through all, both individuals and teams, you know, and I think Jay was one of the ones that pointed this out on Twitter as well. 
we saw like on the men's side, the top four seeds, the top, the four semifinal teams in, in the men's, you see the conferences represented in singles and doubles, right? In basically you're looking at SEC, ACC, big 12. I mean, that's, it was kind of for as much as we want, you know, people wanted to complain about how it was. It's, you know, that's just the way it worked out. And a lot of that is, uh, you know, it's not, not to say that there's something wrong with any of the conferences. It was just the fact that those conferences were the ones that got to play all year through the fall, got the prep. Right. And that just, you know, it goes to show you that that means something for a lot of those, for a lot of those people. It's not just, Hey, show up in uh, March and start playing. It, it doesn't work that way. No, it, this podcast might go six hours because so many final thoughts. And I think this applies to all three of us. And this is where the waterworks may come the class of 2020 slash 2021. And I'm just going to name some names that have been near or dear to my heart. And I know, you know, some of them are all at the same school, but like Will Blumberg, Alexander Kovacevic, Riley Smith, we know Daniel Kukerman's going pro. Sarah Davitella, Alexa Graham, uh, Estella Perez Somariba. This is the first class of players we covered here pretty much from the start of their careers at Crack Rackets. And, you know, we we talked about this on uh, the Tennis One broadcast. You know, Will didn't win an NCAA championship during his career, but can you still consider him one of the college tennis greats? And the answer is absolutely. And it's ditto for all of those players who you're just not going to be able to tell the story of the past five years of college tennis without. And to me, that's how I define greatness. If you cannot talk about an era of college tennis without immediately mentioning their name, uh, you know, then they are a great. They absolutely are. And Blumberg belongs in the conversation with a Frisokos, with a Nuno, with all of these players, a Torpegard, who have just mattered to the fabric of college tennis. And there's a connective thread between Ronnie Schneider, Jack Murray, Braden Schnur entering Chapel Hill and Will now leaving. That's a nine-year run or eight-year run, whatever it was. That's just going to be really freaking hard for North Carolina to replicate. And Ditto, obviously... You know, the three indoor titles, five finals in their five years, what this North Carolina women's team did. It's a dynasty. Like, I know they didn't win an NCAA championship. It's not the best dynasty, but it's certainly one that we'll remember when telling the story of this time. And to all of those seniors, again, their tolerance for our here at Crack Rackets was immensely high. But their willingness to embrace us as well is what makes this podcast so fun, is what allows us to do what we do here and go down to Orlando. And I was walking around with a pep in my step, and everyone must have been like, who the hell is this guy? I mean, and I'm like, no, it's I'm Alex Gruskin. Nice to, I, I, this, I must have said the same thing every time. Are you Alex Gruskin? Well, that's what I tell people, because uh, certainly this Gruskin guy seems like a cool character. Um, and that's not that you guys know. That's far from the truth. Uh, and so, you know, again— what this senior class meant, and I should throw that out there, by the way, for Alana Smith, Anna Rogers, as well of NC State. And to your point, Chris, the ACC women were so freaking good this year. Like, they were all that good. Even, you know, Virginia, for them to lose round of 16, that team was nuts. And Florida State, that team was awesome. And Georgia Tech, I'm so sad Kenya Jones and Vicky Flores didn't get the celebration they deserved on the way out because they were all sensational as well. And it's just like... Oh, it hurts me to say the SEC was pretty good too. Like I doubted Daniel Rodriguez. I shouldn't have. Like he really is that good and he's only a sophomore and he's coming back. And there's no hotter name in my opinion in the coaching circles right now than Josh Goffey, who just knows what he's doing and knows how to build a program. And like to be in Orlando was the pinnacle. 
It really was. It doesn't get better than that. It was a celebration of the college tennis universe. I want to give you guys a chance to respond to everything I just said there. I'll start with you, Maddie, and then I promise listeners we'll get into our mailbag questions. We're going to push the rankings discussion and try to find a way to work it in to the mailbag questions, but just thoughts on the class of 2021. Any final takeaways from this season? Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, that class, you know, means a lot to me. It's it's a very special class. I mean, if for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, when one era closes, another opens. I mean, I, I usually just find myself looking ahead, right? What, you know, we can always celebrate the past and everything, and we're always going to have the memories. But, hey, looking ahead now, I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. We're going to have a new era, and it's going to be fantastic. Hopefully, it's just as good as the last one. Um, so, yes, I agree, Gruskin. All of these seniors, um, you know, we're going to miss watching them compete at the collegiate level. But um, it happens, you know. You know what happens in every sport so um you know time to move on and and we'll make some new memories that's fair but i my response to that would be the class of 2021 left college tennis far better than they found it at least in my opinion and it's certainly as exciting as ever chris same thing to you before we get to the mailbag yeah i mean it is it's it's the first class that we really got to cover start to finish um you know so we we have pro i certainly have better better memories of of most of them than than some of the previous because uh, i only saw some of the hit and miss but you know blumberg 10-time all-american there's no way we see that again i mean we would have to have some other ridiculous whatever pandemic crazy rule i can't even envision what would have caused the ncaa to allow somebody to do that or they bring in mixed doubles and then now all of a sudden maybe we could have you know a 12-time all-american in four years but uh but other than that yeah that we're not going to see that again uh and and yeah i think it's it's a it's a class that we've we've seen multiple guys now and gals that are going to come out and have the opportunity to go uh go pro and make a have a good showing uh in the pros so i it it's it's great and and i have to tell you a couple of just just from the NCAAs in general, right? Right from the from the day we got there, some of my some, some of the memories that we had down there. First of all, I have to thank right all the coaches, mm-hmm. all the folks that they listen to us. They know, hey, Gruskin may be a full time employee. I do this for the gear. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is that is my payment. I get zero dollars for anything. I just want the gear and. You know, we go out. Well, first of all, we show up the first day. I go in in the morning. Tennessee's got the morning match. I got my Tennessee gear on. I go to lunch. We see, and we had watched the Georgia match, right? And Georgia pulled the upset the first in in the first morning. We go to lunch, and we see USC, South Carolina, and Georgia. And Georgia's the last team there. And when Georgia walks in, the USC and South Carolina teams that are already in there give Manny and the Georgia guys a standing ovation, basically, <laughs> for what you know what they had just done, and it was it was great to see. But you know, then I get out of there with my South Carolina and my USC gear, so now I go go to the afternoon session and I put on the South Carolina gear and the USC gear, and then I have to go out and change and put on the. I was like, it was a full wardrobe change between every <laughs> match the first day, which was unbelievable. Uh, that was that was absolutely fantastic, and my and and also the first day, props. And I told him I was going to call him out 
in our recap pod that we never did. So I'll have to do it now. First day, I'm sitting there watching the morning matches. I'm sitting there with Trevor. Trevor's talking to somebody. I have no idea who it is. Happens to be the assistant coach at Stetson, Max Collar. Mm -hmm. Max is talking to Trevor. Max looks over and he goes, hey, are you Chris Hallioris? It's <laughs> like, it's the first one ever. I look back and I go, <laughs> I, I go, why? Well, yeah. And he goes, man, I listen to everything you guys do. It's <laughs> awesome. It's the only college tennis stuff we get. You and Gruskin and Maddie. I mean, so it's, you know, that just to your point, they all listen, right? I mean, it was, it was great. And that's all we got. Every, every coach we talked to, we, you know, we're seeing, got to catch up with the guys from San Diego, got, you know, uh, got to see coach Goffey, got all of these guys that we, that we talked to through the year. Uh, you know, it's outstanding. That's half the fun for us of going is just getting to, to catch up and see, see all of these guys that we're covering all the time because it makes it, it makes it personal. Uh, and, and that's what's, that's what makes it fun. Oh, hundred percent. I was bribed with gear and I was, I've said it all the time. My loyalties are for sale. And at one point in the team final, in the women's final, I, it, it was me, Adam Steinberg and Sean Mamie. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, you guys know it's all your fault. Like you two endorsed me as a freshman in college and you know, my, I suppose worse habits. And I thought like, Oh, okay, I guess I can do this. Cause they say it's okay. So I must continue to do this full time. And they're just laughing and they're like, all right, it was a good investment from us. And I was like, yeah, I mean, sure. You guys have my loyalties always uh, shout out the Huskers. Um, and you know, yeah, I'm not going to say who, but a certain coach was like, Hey, keep picking against us. Like it's working. Like just keep picking against us. And I was like, all right, I'm happy to do it. Like, that's okay. I'll, I'll name him for you. That, that, that was absolutely Florida. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> let me say there were multiple people then. Cause that's funny. That's not even who I was thinking of. Um, oh yeah. Well, I know he was thanking you for picking oh, against 100%. I call him Stanner Tump, but Tanner Stump was very much in favor of it. He texted me and asked for your phone number. <laughs> Exactly. And like, you know, him, all of them, all of the coaches, just, you know, I, there are too many to name, but they embrace what we do here at Crack Rackets. It means the world to us. It also means the world to us to have random people come, you know, random people, I say, loving listeners come up and say, hey, you're Alex Gruskin. Hey, I recognize the amount of times I heard, I recognize that voice. You're Alex Gruskin. And I'm like, no, this is not Alex <laughs> Gruskin. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and then I'm like, no, it is. Okay, you caught me. Um, but, you know, all of them, it, it's what makes this so special. It really does feel like we have a Cracked Rackets College Tennis community, a family we can turn to. And so sincerely, thank you to all of you for that. Hope all of you enjoyed part one of our 2021 college tennis season finale episode of the Great Shot Podcast. Again, we answered all of your mailbag questions in part two. That part of this show going to be coming out tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. A shout out, as always, to Matt Stachowiak, Chris Hallior, sincerely. Two hours of recording time, folks. We wanted to answer as many of your questions as possible. I think we hit all of them at some point, whether we address them tangentially in part one or directly in part two. So be on the lookout for that show to drop early Friday morning. And again, a huge shout out to College Tennis Nation out there for embracing this show. It meant the world to us all season long to know so many of you fans. And yes, so many of you players and coaches as well were following along with us. We promise 
Christmas. We are just as excited to bring all of this content to you all next season. And to be honest, the kickoff draft right around the corner. And my goal to interview all the NCAA Division One individual and team championship winning coaches as well over the next few weeks. So while this is our final GSP, the college tennis content never stops here at Crack Rackets. I am doing a piece on the transfer portal, the process of transferring as well, hoping to get that all to you this summer. So be on the lookout for all of that. And of course, you can find all of our college tennis content in case you have missed any of it on our website, crackrackets.com. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out, as well, to our friends at Turna Tennis. Remember, sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707 to become a part of the Turna family. Of course, some of you listening may think, well, what about all of the French Open coverage? Rest assured, we are recapping each day's action on our mini break podcast. So I will ask, like, rate, subscribe, review, not only to this show, but the Cracked Interviews podcast and the mini break podcast, as well as all we're doing here at Crack Rackets. If you are interested in supporting what we're doing, you can join our Crack Rackets Patreon family. You can find the links to all of that on the website, crackrackets.com. And a reminder, again, part two of this mailbag, the mailbag section, I should say, of this show coming on Friday morning. So be on the lookout for that. But with all that said, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt Stachowiak, Chris Haliors, our super producers, Fleeger and Westoff, our friends at Turn of Tennis, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>